along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this uh, fairly bright uh, April Saturday morning. Good morning. Good Deirdre. morning. How are Good you? Good morning, listeners. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, I suppose. I suppose it's very much April type weather, isn't it? April showers. And, well, that's for sure. We had yeah. fair few of them yesterday in my air. part of the world anyway. <laughs> there was a lot of rain, absolutely. Yeah. But today is to be relatively dry and tomorrow I think it's, it's kind of mixed showers. So it's, we're into that kind of... Uh, April spring-like weather where you're going to get uh, warm periods but also some, some showers as well. So, But it's also potato planting time. It's potato time. planting time. And April is the month for getting those potatoes, particularly for listeners that may have got potatoes back in February and March and they're sprouting now. Um, once soil conditions are right or if you want to plant them up in raised beds or pots or containers, April really is the month. Mm. So we have about another two to three weeks really to get them into the soil. Um, so really this is the time. And what I did during the week, I popped down to uh, the garden centre to meet Leone. Leone is one of the team there who is um, excellent at growing potatoes and grows a lot of potatoes, different varieties for her mm. own family. So I asked her a couple of questions and got her to recommend some varieties in particular that Chief has found very successful. So here you go. Okay, so let's take a listen. A very good morning, listeners. It's early April, it's still potato planting time. So I decided this morning to drop in to the garden centre to talk to Leone, who loves growing potatoes. Good morning, Leone. Good morning, Porik. It's still potato planting time. Explain to me a little bit about the growing of potatoes and how easy it is. Well, potatoes are very easy to grow. They can be grown in um, the tunnel if you've got one. Um, the early potatoes particularly do well in the tunnel. They can be grown in containers or they can be grown in ridges or raised beds. Very good. And out in the open garden soil. Absolutely. So they're broken into first earlies, second earlies and main crop varieties. Which of the first earlies in particular do you think are really good? Well, for me last year, the Sharps Express were excellent. Um, great flavour. We were absolutely delighted with them. Nice flowery potato. Um, other varieties that are very good as well are the Duke of York um, or the Red Duke of York, which is even um, a bigger cropper than the Duke of York. So that's the guys here right in front of me, the Red Duke of York. It's a big cropper, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's very good. Very, very big cropper. Um, both of the, the Duke of Yorks will do well, but the Red is a bigger cropper. And you could plant these in raised beds, containers... In the tunnel, as you said. If we plant them now, when are they going to be ready for harvesting? They take 10 weeks to grow, so from now you count your 10 weeks on. And you mentioned Sharps Express. That's a lovely kind of kidney-shaped potato, isn't it? Yes. It was an old variety. Yes. Very, very tasty potato. Um, good all-rounder. You can use it for um, your mash, your boil, your roast, chips, salad, everything. They're very good potato. And again, ready first week of July? Yes, it would be. And moving on then to second early, when will they... This, I'm looking here at uh, British Queen, isn't it? Yes. So um, the, I suppose the difference between the earlies and the mid-season crop, the earlies take 10 weeks to grow and the mid-season take about 13. So planting them now, you would expect to have them late July where you'd be having your earlies in early July, end of June, early July. And this is the Wexford potato, isn't it? Yes, the one it that is, we yeah. see for sale. Beautiful flowery variety. Beautiful, beautiful potato. Um, exceptionally popular in the shop every year. Um, great cropper. Absolutely beautiful taste, a winner all round. So again, if we planted, say, some Duke of York or Sharps Express and plant the British Queen, we've got varieties that are going to harvest in the first, second week of July, right through to the end of July, early August, aren't we? That's right. So um, just as you'll be finishing your Queens, you'll be ready to go on to your main crop. So in the main crop varieties, what, what do we look? What, what are the best, your, your top two or three varieties? Um, well, I suppose the, the bigger, the more popular ones would be um, the likes of the Satantas or the Sarpomira, Sarporexona, because they're blight resistant. So it just makes it that much easier to crop. 
Um, you're, there's other varieties as well. The Picasso is very good. And um, the likes of the Kerpinks, which are Kerpinks very popular. You know. Records, yeah, 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 absolutely. They're, they're, they're all popular. Yes, they are. And again, if they're planted now, we're looking at harvesting August, September and, and having yeah. them right through the winter. Really. Yes, and the main crop will store well as, as well. So that, that would be the other bonus on them as well. Now, I notice over here you've got a container planted a simple potato pot yeah. that's planted a, a, and really all it is is a plastic container filled with compost. So what did you do to get them, the, the potatoes sprouted and growing? Okay, so well, we allowed them to chit in the first place. So we just allowed a um, nice, uh, cool, bright area. I left them there for a fortnight um, before we actually planted them in. So into the container, we just put a little bit of, um, I suppose maybe six, eight inches um, with the multi-purpose compost. And then we put in a couple, three or four on a layer filled it up another um, five inches and put another layer compost, of yeah. compost, and absolutely. Yeah. Yes, and we would feed them as well. Once once they're well sprouted, you would feed them with either something like Super Grow or the potato feed. Okay, and again, you can see them sprouting lovely here. There's yes, some yeah. lovely green sprouts. So again, they're going to be early varieties will be ready around the end of June, the first week of July. That's right. Beginning. Well, I suppose um, the way you're looking at them here would, I suppose, be mimicking the polytunnel or the glass house yes. as well so because we've got nice heat here in here during the day so they're just it's driving them on absolutely they're going to be wonderful so i suppose really the message is this is the time of year for planting potatoes i did notice the uh, kestrel over there the that's the variety that is slug resistant that's right yeah um very very good for people that have problems with slugs and um, they, they just don't like the taste of so the kestrel variety is a second early very similar to British Queen. Yeah, second early and good flavour as well from it, you know, and a fairly good crop or two. Right, okay. So the kestrel for the, if you if you want to ward off the slugs. So really, look, I suppose the message is this is the time of year to start planting potatoes. What's your favourite variety? Blue Danube for me, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good variety, isn't it? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Great cropper, light resistant. Yes. Very, yeah. very flowery. Very, very flowery. Lovely light potato. I think it has been voted the best uh, roasting potato. Oh, it's beautiful. Of all varieties. I love it. So blue danube. So that's yeah. a very good one. Well, look at Leonie. Thanks a million. It's been a pleasure, and it's great to see such a, a big selection of varieties available at the moment. So really, people should be planting them over the next two or three weeks. Yes, as, as soon as, as uh, the ground dries up enough that you can be out and planting. Way to go. Get them in. Get them in. Okay. Thanks a million. Great stuff, Horrocks. So lots of good advice there. Yeah, absolutely. And even if it's just doing up a few raised beds or containers or pots, it's it's a fun thing. It's a thing that children can get involved with as well. And uh, by planting them now, you're going to have your first crop by the first week of July, early, you know, early August, in that e period on. Excellent. OK, we, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, quite a few questions in already, so you can keep them coming to us. 87 41 Our text with thanks to Cara Deli and Teresa working with us on the programme as usual this morning. 0818-3055. Right, let's give you a time check at this point in association with O'Brien Tractors. It's just coming up on a quarter past nine. Your time check with O'Brien's Tractors, Bohola County Mayo, home of the New Holland, the right tractor for the right job. 094-93-84217 and O'BrienTractors.com Did you know that we at Bonavox Hearing Specialists are the only national company with the best hearing aid in the world? We supply and fit the Widex Unique. Prices starting at only €495. Euro. Yes, you heard right. Widex hearing aids from €495. Euro. With over 20 clinics nationwide, call today for your free test and trial. 1-800-480-888 
Most burglaries occur between midday and 4pm, a time when you may be in. HKC, Ireland's leading manufacturer of perimeter inertia sensors, strongly recommend that you ask your installer for a system that includes protection to your external doors and windows to give early warning before intruders gain entry. HKC inertia perimeter systems allow you to use your alarm day or night while you are in your property, protecting your most valuable asset, you. HKC Alarms, available in Irish and English language. System Arming. Homelander offering three beautiful Irish-grown rose plants for only €25. Available now at your local award-winning Homeland Garden Centre. Homeland roses are chosen for their colour, flower and suitability to the Irish climate. See homeland.ie for a store near you. Stay in a castle in Connemara on the Sky Road and enjoy open turf fires, four-poster beds and gourmet cuisine. Special midweek rates of only €199 for three nights dinner, bed and breakfast, plus the usual service charge. There's also musical evening complimentary champagne every Sunday and complimentary afternoon tea every day. So phone Abbey Glen Direct at 1850 35 70 35. That's 1850 35 70 35. And by the way, the password is cheers. Mayo Day 2015 was a phenomenal success. Individuals, schools, businesses and communities got behind the unique initiative which saw Mayo people globally celebrate all that is great about our progressive can-do county. The second Mayo Day is approaching on the 30th of April so make sure your business, school and community gets involved in Mayo Day and play your part. If your community or volunteer group is interested in organising an event to mark Mayo Day contact your local municipal area office for any funding that may be available. A celebration of all things Mayo on April 30th. Check out mayo.ie for details. Hi, Rosaline Kelly from Communicare Healthcare in Clamoris. Communicare is Irish-owned and nurse-led and we're currently recruiting carers and registered nurses to fill vacancies in Mayo, Roscommon, Galway and Sligo. We are offering excellent rates and flexible hours. For more information, call us on 094-92-59100 or email Karen at karen.bell at communicare.ie. Come home to work with Communicare. Welcome back. Loads of questions in Porek for you. We're going to start right at the very top of them. And as somebody who has been very busy over the last week and they've cleaned out their greenhouse, Good. as yeah. advised, they used the fewer smoke to clean out the pests. All nice and clean now. So they're wondering, should they grow tomatoes in the soil? Well, you can either grow them in the border soil in the greenhouse or in large containers, pots. Um, so if, if, the, if the soil is relatively good, yeah, add some compost, enrich the soil, put a little bit of the Pro 6 fertiliser into that because tomatoes are quite hungry feeders and you can start planting the tomatoes anytime from now on. Um, probably varieties like, I think we mentioned a few last week, like Shirley, um, Sweet 100, um, sweet aperitif all of those are available now for planting if the weather gets colder if we get a bit of frost you would need to cover them at night time or put in a little bit of heat because they are frost sensitive um, especially in greenhouses and tunnels uh, frost will still penetrate through those but yeah but grow them in the garden soil, in the border soil but do enrich the soil well and um, space the plants about two feet apart and like I said last week you could even later on plant some basil at the base of the plant as well um, and let it grow on but now is the time anytime through April is a good time to start tomatoes and even for if listeners want to grow them in pots or containers or say hanging baskets there are varieties like tumbler that work really well they stay very compact and you don't have to do any kind of pinching out of the side branches mm. and they're very suitable for containers so any time through April is the time to get tomatoes and particularly if you've got a greenhouse you can start them off that little bit earlier 
Now, can we still plant bare-rooted beech as a hedge? Um, listener is wondering which is better, green or purple, and how does one go <clears> about getting the soil ready? Okay, well, first of all, in planting any hedge, the, the main thing is to remove any vegetation or weeds that are there at the moment. So treat the area with something like Weed Free 360, which is a weed killer that will kill off any broadleaf weeds without affecting the soil. So mark off the area, spray it off. Beech doesn't come into leaf until the end of April. Right. So you've still got three weeks to plant. Now, the sooner the better and the conditions at the moment are still perfect for planting Beirut uh, beech in, in particular. So it comes into leaf late, so that gives you an extra two to three weeks to plant. So yes, if you plant over the next fortnight, you can get beech in. In terms of colour, it really, they're both as hardy as one another. It's really just down to choice. Um, the green has a, an apple green, like a golden delicious coloured leaf, mm. that bright green leaf, which crisps in the winter. Both of the, the purple and the green go brown in winter and retain they look exactly the same actually in the winter period so during the from May to September October you've either got the green or the purple the purple is like the colour of dillusk it's a really dark purpley red mm. like a port wine yeah, colour it is gorgeous and it's a lovely way of getting a bit of colour mm. into the garden so purple beech for me I think is a nicer plant um, it offers a little bit more colour and uh, makes a super strong hedge but in terms of planting certainly you've got another two or three weeks to plant yet but the sooner you get them in the better Perfect. Now, uh, treatment for the lawn worked well. It's moss-free and Good. green, but notice a lot of broad-leaved weeds and what would be the next step in tackling well, those? Well, you'll often find that after killing off the, the moss and after feeding, the, naturally enough, the feed is going to encourage some of the weeds to grow as yes. well. Um, so again, you can use one of the broad, um, broad-leaved weed killers, the lawn-specific herbicides. Again, a dry weather, something like Dicoflower or Hygieia do a very good one as well. Simply mix it up in your sprayer, apply, don't cut the grass for about a week, let the weeds come forward and then on the next dry day, maybe next weekend, apply the um, the lawn treatment. Leave it for three days. You'll notice they're hormonal weed killers. So you'll find that the weeds actually start to twist and contort and that's no, the way you know mm. it's actually working and then mow the grass about three days later. So it's as simple as that. Okay, great. A uh, couple, couple of uh, comments and queries about uh, the Easter farm in oh, yeah, uh, Bar. Yeah. yeah, so uh, somebody uh, popping over that direction today wondering if it's still open. It is. Oh no, it's, it'll run until Sunday. Uh, so the children back I think Monday morning back to school <laughs> so the farm still runs right through till uh, till Sunday evening and, and it's a free event so people are more than welcome to come along Okay, great stuff um, Now when is the right time to trim broom? It is getting too high and spreading into other plants. Thanks, says and Kathleen and Donegal. Okay, well, and that can often happen with broom. broom. Broom is that lovely plant that comes into flower. It's just on the point of flowering at the moment. It comes in shades of white, yellows, uh, red, some two-tone colours as mm. well. It's a really easy plant to grow, particularly for new gardeners. If you were to fill up a shrub border very quickly, broom grows rapidly. It flowers brilliantly. It's absolutely covered in when it comes into bloom. And, and will flower kind of from now until early summer. The trick with it is to prune it after flowering. So if you prune it now, you're going to remove all the blooms. So we leave it until the flowers fade around the end of May and that's the time to cut it back. It's all the time to feed it. Now for mature broom plants, it's not a good idea to prune them severely because they don't regenerate from older wood. Right. So really as a young plant, when you put it in, it should be pruned every year after flowering to keep a shape, to, to keep it nice and young and to increase the amount of flowers you're going to get from the plant. But an older plant, you could remove at the end of May 
you could remove six to eight inches of the top growth where the flowers really have are, have um, are born this year you can prune back just below that point so don't prune it too severely feed it after pruning so again it's going to come into growth uh, in June, July, August and flower on that wood next year so if you feed it during those summer months you'll actually get a far uh, bigger and bushier and and more colourful plant this time next year. And it, it, does it is it one of those plants that takes over a bit by the sounds well, of it can, that it question? Can, it that do, it's it fairly fairly vigorous. Yeah, it won't it won't take over, but it does make a, a shrub up to five or six feet depending on the variety, and it can grow similar in diameter. So it's a it's a big it's chunky a bushy plant, kind of one. great for filling space mm. and and very easy to grow. It does need free draining soil, so it likes to have a, a free draining soil. And if anything, if the soil is a little bit poorer, it actually keeps it more compact and neater and better flowering so it actually thrives a little bit like lavender on um, starvation Yes. so on sandy soils and gravelly soils broom do really well they dislike heavy wet soils they tend to rot and fall over and and get too big and clumpy Um, so just to recap any spring flowering plants so this applies to things like the beautiful forsythia is in flower at the moment for example bright yellow butter yellow flowers in bloom at the moment that's all the spring flowering plants are pruned after flowering so things like cherries the broom that, that we spoke about, Forsythiae, Berberus, any of those, uh, the flowering red currant, which is in flower at the moment, you prune immediately, the flowers fade and you feed at that time mm. as, as, as well. Okay. Now, our lawn is a few long questions, okay. and I suppose <clears throat> that's the way things are at the minute. Um, very wet, indeed, my own is a bit wet as well at the moment, full of moss. Uh, they're thinking of ploughing and reseeding it and they've been told to set spuds in it this year. What would you okay. think of that? Well, that was a great old method of, right. of, particularly for new houses, the recommendation was always to grow a crop of spuds on the, where you intend to put the lawn in because planting potatoes increases the uh, soil fertility. It helps to break up the soil and conditions the soil and actually gives poor ground good drainage or helps to give a good drainage because the, so- the potatoes, you can imagine you're planting a small tuber and that's going to multiply 30 or 40 times in size. So naturally enough, it's going to break up the soil and it's going to condition the soil. And the old roots and bits of stems that are left behind help to condition the soil as well. And particularly if you're adding some organic matter before planting the potatoes, that's all going to help in terms of the fertility of the soil. The other thing I'd recommend, where you get a lot of moss and rushes and wet ground, it's a sign of poor drainage. And an idea would be to add in some grit or gravel into the soil as well to Mm. rotivate that in. So possibly grow a crop of potatoes this year, why not? Um, Allow them to grow and then by September, early October, when you're harvesting the potatoes, add a lot of grit, pea gravel, into the soil. Rotivate it back into the soil and that'll help with the drainage and it'll give better structure. And you'll find that you'll have less problems with moss, less problems with rushes and buttercups and those those weeds that tend to love or wet conditions. So the addition of certainly grit and gravel is a great idea to add through the soil in terms of conditioning it. Okay. Uh, now, somebody else uh, was uh, with you during the week and they visited the goat Perry. Perry the goat. Perry the yeah, goat, yeah. okay. Um, so they obviously had they had younger people with them at the time and they are anxious to get seeds for children. So uh, kind of two, two uh, particular uh, crops, I suppose, or flowers. Well, sunflowers, first of all. Okay. So what would you grow uh, sunflower-wise for children? And also, I think it's for potatoes. Um, looking for potatoes that would be suitable for baby 
baking. Okay, well, mm. for baker baking potatoes, mm. look for the big varieties. So those that produce kind of very large tubers. I'm thinking of varieties like um, Curse Pink do really well. British Queens would be excellent. They're a second early. Sapra Mira that uh, Leone mentioned and Sapra Exona, they're two blight-resistant varieties that produce very large potatoes, ideal for baking or roasting. So they produce a really, really large uh, tuber mm. in September, October, that time of year. King Edward's which again is a real old variety, um, but very, very good. It's also, a King Edward is actually a very good variety where slugs are a problem as well. It's a big flowery uh, potato, real, real old variety. It must be at least 100 years old. Um, Orla would also be quite good. Colleen, would, for me, would be also... So Colleen and Orla would give you early varieties. Um, if they're left in the ground a little bit longer, they obviously, the, the development of particularly large tubers. King Ed- Edward's would be great. Um... British Queens is a second early. Curse Pink would also be a good one. Satanta, there's lots of very good lots baking varieties. In terms of sunflowers, this is the time of year to sow them indoors. They are frost sensitive, so don't put them out into the soil. Sow the seed on a windowsill indoors in a small pot. Russian Giant, if you want to grow a really big, if you want a bit of competition okay, in the house, yeah. and you want the kids competing to see who can grow the biggest <laughs> sunflower. Our giant, does the Russian, Russian Giant Russian Giant grow? will grow up to eight feet, maybe nine feet oh, in, wow. in height. Okay. So it's a really, really tall one. Um, if you want something short, maybe more compact, uh, there's a variety called Junior. Um, named after the kids so it's really a great one for kids it's a multi-headed variety of sunflower it produces three or four heads per stem and grows to about three feet in height so that's a particularly nice one um, but there's lots of great uh, sunflower seeds available and, and you can get different shades of colour as well not just the bright yellow some with orange colours some with brown colours and the, the sunflowers are great because they produce their own seed yes. and the birds will feed off those then next autumn or the kids could even save the seed and have it for next year, saving a brown envelope in October, November, and so re-sow it again this time of year. But this is the time of year. It's the time for sowing seed in general, both indoor and outdoor. I think I mentioned it last week. Mm. So people should be considering, if they're thinking about growing some vegetables or herbs, this is the time to sow seed. And plants will grow so readily and so easily, and so cheaply from, from seed. Lovely. Uh, now, chickpeas. And I know yeah. we touched on chickpeas here, uh, was it last week or the week before, when yeah. we were looking at the sprouting yeah. chickpeas. So, um, oh yeah. <laughs> sprouting <laughs> seeds. They're not chickpeas, these are actually uh, alfalfa that are oh, brought alfalfa, in. Oh, alfalfa, right. Yeah, but chickpeas are exactly the same okay. principle. So, Kath was asking, um, can chickpeas be eaten after sprouting in a jar or should they be sold in the ground first? Well, I went to a lot of trouble to show you <laughs> how to grow them, didn't I? No, a couple of weeks required. back. So all you need is is a Tupperware container, yeah. a, a margarine tub, anything that will actually hold, that you can seal and put a bit of water in. So what you do, you buy a packet of chickpea peas, seed, chickpea seed, seed, say that again, Yes. Um, which are quite large. They're about the size of a pea, a standard pea. Yeah. Um, you'd get about maybe 50, 60 uh, seed in a packet. You simply put them into any container that'll hold some water. Um, uh, Preferably a a clear container. So a Tupperware container would be ideal. Put about three or four teaspoonfuls of water uh, into the bottom of the tray pour in the, the chickpea seed and seal the container. Leave it on a bright windowsill. It takes three or six to seven days for those to germinate and then they're ready to eat. So when you see the chickpeas producing its first kind of the stem, the actual shoot becoming a little bit green, yeah. that's the time to eat it. And chickpeas can be used. They're used in hummus to make the hummus. They are indeed. Right? Um, they're also used, you can use them in stews Jews, and yeah. casseroles. A lot of Mediterranean cooking or yeah. North African cooking. Exactly. Use and chickpeas. But so once they're sprouted then, I suppose... You eat them. 
Okay. You're eating because you eat, you're eating the shoot and you're eating the actual seed, seed. itself. Right. And exactly. So really, what, the chickpea we get is the seed of chickpea. It's is the it? seed. That's what you're eating. Okay. Absolutely. But it's do you seed. grow it then to the point where you're creating another seed? Well, you, you can do that. Yeah. But, but I think, I'm wondering is that the question? Oh uh, yeah, and maybe it is. And the thing is, we really want a really good summer for it to produce its own seed in Ireland. You know, it, it's not that the seed is so cheap to buy. Yeah. And that you you sprout them within a week, you're you're ready to eat. The sprouts. The sprouts, the actual yeah. young sprouts. And that's what you eat anyway. Um, or, or you could use the actual peas themselves in yeah. cooking without sprouting them, if you wish. Right. But we need a very good summer to actually grow the chickpea to produce, to produce seed, seed itself. itself. We'd want a very, very good summer. And if one, uh, if you were growing, if you had those conditions, or would it be greenhouse suitable? Greenhouse tunnel, yeah. You could grow uh, them there, absolutely. Does it require soil at that point then once it's germinated? Absolutely. Yeah. And you'd actually germinate them in the in the compost. You'd, you'd sow them in seed trays, you'd allow them to germinate. They'll take about two weeks before they're ready for transplanting. Transplanting them into the soil in the tunnel or greenhouse, let them grow on. They'll produce their seed then in September, October of next year and you can harvest that and, okay. re- and use those during the winter period. And you can use the seed from the chickpea plants to actually um, to, you know, you can eat those during the winter or to sow a new seed again next year. Okay, so you kind of have two crops as such yeah, coming you out of it. So you have the sprouts initially you the sp- if you're doing it from the, the salad point of view yes. or you can then let them sprout and then and plant them, them on. on. Yeah. And, like, and, and produce this, take the seed off them yourself. Okay, hopefully that's chickpeas covered. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great time for all those sprouting seed and again it's a great for, for children to get involved because yeah. they can see this, sow the seed today and within a week you're actually seeing them. You can eat the sprouting seeds as well. And there's so many different varieties, not just chickpeas, there's alfalfa, there's broccoli, there's red cabbage, there's a whole range of different different uh, sprouting sprouting things that are so easy to grow wheatgrass for example again would be another would one would be another one right we're, we're going to go with one more of what I will call the slightly unusual more unusual uh, <laughs> crops and then we might take a bit of a break uh, asparagus yes. we love to cook with asparagus but okay. feel the shop bought stems are not as fresh as they'd like because right. uh, that's because they usually come from the other side of the they planet do, to be honest indeed. a lot of the time if you take a look uh, how, do, how do we grow asparagus different types what soil uh, should we use it or should be used please and also then secondly to that uh, a question on sweet pea how well does it do in the west of Ireland okay, well, let's so do let's talk about let's the asparagus, do with the asparagus. so asparagus is a bit like rhubarb it's a perennial vegetable so once you have it in the garden and it's growing happily you'll have it for 50 or 60 years so it's worth putting a bit of effort in terms of planting it so it's not like our t- traditional vegetables that you're just growing for one season you're, this is a long play so it pays to prepare the soil well so the first thing is to have the soil weed free so many are you're, you're growing asparagus get rid of any weeds that are there so let them show themselves and then treat it um, with something safe to get rid of the, the weeds secondly it wants lots of organic matter so plenty of horse manure rotted cow manure mushroom compost anything that's organic or your own garden compost would mm. be perfect you simply dig a trench it should be free draining soil so you want to pick soil that drains well and that's reasonably fertile um, Exactly the same conditions for rhubarb. Into the trench, then you dig a trench, you simply line it with rotten manure, uh, at least a foot, and then you mound it up so you've got a drill-like effect and you plant your asparagus shoots, so they're available in garden centres at the moment, small shoots of asparagus, you plant them along the top of the drill, spacing them about 
18 inches, mm. about a foot and a half apart. Mm. Mm. There are a couple of different varieties. There's one called Pacific Blue, which is a blue or purple asparagus. So when it grows, it takes, so we plant it, say, today. Mm-hmm. You need to let it grow for at least a year, possibly two years before you start harvesting the young shoots. And it's in March and April that we actually, you take the young shoots. So as the young shoots are coming through the ground when they're about pencil thickness and pencil length, you sever them at ground level right. and that's what you're eating and you know you can imagine if you can go out today and pick a fresh asparagus shoot and put it into boiling water straight away compared to buy, buying some of the shop bought stuff that's imported from Chile or, or Argentina or wherever it comes from um, so it is a it, it pays to get the, the soil conditions right it, it's relatively easy to grow once you get the soil conditions right and you have it perennially, perennially. it also produces lovely uh, asparagus foliage yeah, it's kind of yellowy. Colour, well, it's, it? it's green. green it's, it's green during the summer. Yeah. You know, like the asparagus, like that ferny foliage that yeah. you see in flower ranging, and it goes to yellow then in autumn as it's dying back. Um, but so, so it's it's simple enough to grow. Um, there's a couple of different varieties. Pacific Blue is very good. Jim Lynn is another variety. It's a more greener uh, asparagus, more traditional colour, but certainly well worth putting it in. Remember, it's a fifty year. Uh, yeah, and, you're and, to get just, and you just won't have it in a couple of weeks. You'll have to just it's, it's a little gonna, bit of long. It's like rhubarb. Yeah. You've got to give it. You've got to give it at least a year, eighteen months to two years to really build up enough strength before you start. Because you're cropping the shoots, seasons, yeah, you're robbing the, stalks, the shoots yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this is the time to plant it. Asparagus uh, shoots are available in garden centres at the moment, and um, so good time to plant. And it has now. Needless to say, I'm sure you all realise it wasn't me that planted it, but my mother has planted it in years gone by, and there's nothing quite like it oh, yeah. uh, going out. So to pick Crops it's well really, every really year really for delicious. you. It should, yeah, it does. Yeah. Now, it's just a small bit of it. Uh, yeah. It was a kind of an experiment. Yeah. Um, but yes, And absolutely. you don't need a huge, you know, no. I mean, you're, you're not going to eat asparagus more, you know, a couple of times maybe, you know, well, a yeah, month. It's a bit of a treat. Really. Yeah. yeah, a bit of a treat more than anything else. Yeah. But definitely this is the time to, to plant it and spend a bit of time preparing the soil well. In terms of the sweet pea, listen, any of the varieties do really well. Um, you can have the everlasting sweet pea that comes back year after year. Pink pearl is the variety there or white pearl or the annual sweet pea varieties are available at the moment for planting so you know they're about six inches high at the moment again they benefit from plenty of organic matter planted into the soil before planting because they're a very very hungry crop lovely there was a question there on sweet potatoes and sweet peppers yes here we go so how do we go about growing both please are are the seeds plants of sweet peppers available Sweet peppers, yeah, mm. the, the plants are available at the moment, so you can you can still sow seed of sweet peppers if you wish. What you need uh, essentially is is a greenhouse tunnel or a bright windowsill, so they need to be grown indoors. Um, the plants are available at the moment; they're about five or six inches high. Plant them up into a large pot, maybe a twelve or fifteen inch pot in John Ennis compost, and they're relatively easy to grow. They grow; they form a bush about I suppose fifteen inches, eighteen inches in height, mm. and they'll produce their peppers or chilies from about the middle of July right through till September, October. So there's lots of good varieties available. And they're, they're, they're fun and they're easy to grow and, and um, you get a very good crop, particularly from the chilies that produce, you know, anything up to 50 or 60 chilies wow. on the plant. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you'll have easy. some for a family and yeah, friends. Absolutely. Very, very easy to grow. Um, and now so I would keep them indoors on a bright windowsill for about another month right. until early May and then plant them into the greenhouse and you get them to grow on really well. In terms of the sweet potato, mm. that's... Um, 
that's different now to the regular potato. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a whole uh, and a whole different way of different growing. Different taste, it? yeah, and so, and so on. So, um, what you do is you literally the, the sweet potato that you buy in their greengrocer, sit that on a windowsill, and it'll start to sprout. So you literally just take the tuber, sit it on a bright windowsill. You get young spout, sprouts like a potato, and start to sprout. Where you see a sprout, you cut it. A sprout and a piece of the tuber and you've got yourself a sweet potato root ready to plant. That should be planted then in a pot or container um, something again fairly large something you know a large pot maybe 18 inches in diameter by inch, 18 inches deep mm-hmm. and it grows like a climbing plant it's right. in the convolvulus fa- family so it grows quite vigorously like an actual climbing plant so it needs some trellis work some bamboo canes or something to scramble up along and it produces its tubers um, in the soil about September, October. Now you do need to grow them in a tunnel or greenhouse in this part of the country. You could try them on a on a bright uh, patio, um, sunny patio yeah. out of doors, but really for them to be successful you need a tunnel or greenhouse, a bit like some of the tomato varieties. Um, but it's a novelty, it's something worth growing and they absolutely do grow well here in Ireland. They're, they're, they're actually starting to grow some of them commercially okay. in Ireland at the moment. Um, it's a very good breeder, I can't think of his name now, but uh, growing unusual varieties um, of sweet potato here in Ireland. So get yourself a tuber, let it sprout. You can cut it into three or four pieces once you've got a sprout and a piece of tuber. Plant it up into a large pot using John and his compost. Mm. Feed it like you would a tomato plant during the growing season. It'll scramble up about six or seven feet in height and then the tubers will form around September, October. You simply harvest them, dry them off and use them then during the the winter period. How do we get rid of briars growing up through a Lelandii hedge? Yeah, it can be difficult. The old briar, it'll, it'll, you know yourself, it'll scramble up through anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this, this is the time of year to treat them. Now, they will. You can scuffle them out quite easily. Under, if you go down low under the um, at the base of the Lelandii hedge with a sharp spade, you'll scuffle the root out, which will kill the plant at that point. Or if you wish, you can put on something like Roundup gel. So put a rubber glove on your hand, get the Roundup gel. It's like hair gel, and you wipe it onto the leaf of the, the briar and that takes the weed killer into the system of the plant and down to the root and kills the root and all so either method just to get rid of it Lovely, now daffodils are very much out in force at they the are, moment They are and in flower, yeah, looking good. Um, Somebody's got a question, they set daffodils three years ago, they flowered on the first year, okay. um, but they haven't flowered since, they do have leaves but no flowers, okay. any ideas what might be the problem? Well daffodils uh, first of all, the, the key thing with daffodils is that there's a couple of things that can affect them, shade for example, if they're in, although we often associate them with, with them as a woodland plant, but they mm. do well in woodlands where they can, there's no well, foliage. They, yeah, they need a bit of sunshine. <laughs> they need, yeah, they do need sunshine. If they're on, again, in a north-facing wall or north-facing area where they're only getting light but no direct sunlight, they're not going to flower well. Okay. You get very poor flowering. You do get the foliage every year, but very little flowering. The other reason that daffodils don't flower is if the foliage is cut back too early. So they need six weeks after flowering to build up the energy for the following year, to build up the flower embryos mm. for the following year. So I would guess probably in this case it may be shade, uh, in a shade area. You could actually dig those bulbs up and transplant them now to another area. And something that you can do with all bulbs, snowdrops, daffodils, tulips, mm. 
the time to move them is just after flowering. So they can still be in flower, just been going, beginning to go over. You can dig up the clumps and transplant them to other areas of the garden. It's often a great way to divide daffodils. So if you've got big clumps of daffodils and you want them somewhere else in the garden, this is the month. April is the month to dig them up, split them up and just replant them. Put them down the same level that, they, that you lift them originally from and you'll propagate the plants and next year they'll come back up in that location again. But my guess is it's shade and uh, I'd, I'd consider moving them. Okay. Um, now... Oh, sorry, just slowly scroll down here. Um, there is, I, I know we're, we're kind of coming back to the lawns as, as they come into us a little bit. Um, somebody got the lime and the Osmo. Um, can you explain how you go about using it? I know we've covered this on before, but it's obviously it's okay, a recurring quite, question. And it, does it have to go out on a dry day? That's the big question. Well, uh, well, a day like today would be perfect where it's it's dry, but rain is, is promised. So the first thing you do is put on the lime. The reason we put on lime is to bring the pH level uh, up because generally where you have heavy moss, it, it's genuine indication the mm. soil can be low in lime. So lime is the first thing to go on. That puts the moss under a little bit of stress as well. And then you follow up with the Osmo a week later. So if you get the lime out today, then next Saturday apply the Osmo. Ideally, it should be dry when applying with rain to follow. So I think we've got the perfect conditions at the moment. The reason we, we recommend the zero as well is this year, just in particular, mm. um, the moss is so heavy. Did you use the zero, by the way? I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I got I got it out on Monday. Right. Um. So and it has. Yes. It's, 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 it works oh, within yeah. a day or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So where the moss is extremely heavy, then apply the zero first. Then you can put on the lime and then put on the osmo just to get the the lawn to clean up green. and give a nice bit of colour. But um, and particularly this year, we're just the, the level of moss. The, the zero is really the first thing that you go on. Yeah. So, uh, so zero it, lime it, and then, and then again put on the Osmo and that'll green it up and give it a lovely green effect without forcing growth. Okay, now a listener has a lovely sunny spot in the garden and it's just soil. They'd like to grow some flowers to attract bees and butterflies in the summer. Uh, something easy to grow uh, okay. for themselves and the children. Well, there's a, there's a whole range of, I mean, that sounds like the perfect location. If you've got a bright, sunny, mm. uh, south-facing border, then that's that's the ideal location. And this is the time of year you can sow seeds directly into the garden soil. You can get uh, packs that are already mixed, like Easy Flowers, yep. which is a range that Westland do. I think you, uh, you yeah, tried them before. Yeah, we've used that, yeah and very successful and not a lot of work required. So that's that's perfect. The easy flower. So you have a mixture of seed, a whole range of different varieties. You've got the compost and fertiliser all in the one pack that you can simply put down. But you could also get uh, seed like um, the phacelia that I often recommend, particularly if you want um, insects to come into the garden. That produces a huge amount of nectar. If you sow it now, it'll be in flower for June and it'll flower right through till September. Also plants like English marigolds, corn flowers are easy to sow. Um, any of the hardy annuals, Limnanthus, which is the poached egg plant, the kids oh, get a great, great kick out of that. It, it produces flowers like poached eggs, so they're they're yellow and white, a little white border on the egg, exactly like like an yeah. egg, like a fried egg. And um, so that's Limnanthus, a very very simple seed to grow. And many of the hardy annuals will self seed, so you sow them now, they flower during the summer, they produce their own seed, and then that comes back up next year again. So there's a whole range: corn flowers. Um, Lavateria, if you want a little bit of height, is oh, a yeah. really nice plant. Um, there's one called Silver Cup, which is a silvery pink flower, really nice plant. Uh, it'll grow about two feet in height if you sow it from seed now and flowers the whole summer long. So pop into your local garden centre, look for hardy annuals, and they'll flower this summer if sown now directly out of doors. Particularly the single flowering varieties like the Limnanthus are very attractive. Uh, 
favoured by honeybees and butterflies in particular. Um, so, so a selection of those. You can actually even get, there'll be seed collections within the garden centre specifically for wildlife, if you want. They're already mixed together, pre-mixed, yeah. Great. And uh, there's plenty of shrubs as well, like Budley the butterfly bush or Choicea, Cotoneasters, which again are favoured, Wigelias, Dutzias, which are again all favoured by by the bees, bees and insects, yeah. Okay, huge range there. Oh ah, yeah, there's plenty, loads yeah. and loads. Um, a hedge for an open seaside garden, please. Well, the best one for, if it's very exposed, the best one I find is um, Iliagnus abengii, which is the silver-leafed Iliagnus. It's frost-hardy, it's wind-tolerant, it's salt-tolerant, it's evergreen. It'll make a hedge up to about seven or eight feet in height, very, very dense, gives fantastic shelter uh, to seaside areas. So as a primary hedge, it, it does really well. It does come in a variegated form as well. If you wanted a lower hedge, say maybe three or four feet yeah. high, it comes in a Iliagnus um, limelight, which is a, a, a two-toned, so it's got yellow and green in the leaf. It's slower growing, so it's ideal for smaller hedges, very, very easy to maintain, and that can be planted at this time of year. And both are evergreen, so they both retain the foliage right through the, the winter period. Now, uh, again, just to very go back to the moss, it's, does one need to rake out the moss after it has been Only treated Only if by it's zero? very heavy. Okay. I, you know, I, I wouldn't bother unless it's really, if, unless it's kind of a carpet, it has carpeted some of the, the grass area. Yeah. Um, you'll find that the grass will penetrate through most of the moss. Um, so only in, in really heavy areas, rake that out. And once it's killed, once it's dead, it comes out very easy anyway. So get yourself, now there's a special uh, rake for that, um, a springtime rake, which doesn't dig into the soil. So don't use your vegetable rake. Right. It'll kill it break your back. Is that the one that has gone... It's like, like a, a fan. Yeah, yeah, fan. And, and yeah. The, the, little, the little tines spring back up if they get caught in the soil. So it's kind of a fan-shaped rake. Yeah. So you can kind of give... You can actually so you're rake not the really lawn. pulling the grass out on, with yeah. the moss, is Correct. it? Correct. And yeah. you're not... You're, the, 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 the prongs aren't digging into the actual soil itself like a vegetable rake would do. Right. So it's a fan-shaped rake. It's a lawn rake or a springtime rake, it's often known yeah. as. And you, you can quite vigorously rake the rake moss the with that and it won't do any damage to the lawn. But only where they where it's actually quite heavy and in those areas then reseed. Lovely. Put a bit of seed down. Now, Kay is in Westport. She's got a question regarding her roses. Uh, okay. She She's wondering, could she cut back her rose bush? It's gone very tall. It's blooming though at the moment right. and it'll probably stay blooming all summer long. Um, so she's just afraid if she goes cutting it back now, will, would she end up damaging it or killing it? Well, the answer is no, you won't. And it isn't okay. a gas that, that it's flowering in April, yeah. roses, which we normally associate with June. June no, yeah. look, the advice really is, and I always say this at this time of year, if you haven't pruned the roses back, get out there and do them this weekend. If you don't prune it back, it's going to flower, of course, but it's going to remain leggy. You're going to have problems with pests and or diseases in particular. So I would prune it back to within a foot of soil level. Mm. I know you're going to remove all the, the flowers, but that plant will come back into growth within two weeks or three weeks and it'll come into flower in the middle of June and flower through till Christmas. So my advice really is to prune it hard back within a foot from soil level, apply the Pro 6 or a rose fertiliser on it now and apply that once a month and then once it comes back into leaf start spraying it with your rose clear and that will flower you'll rejuvenate the plant you'll have all young wood lots of colour from June right through to December leaving it is on to yes you'll get the flowers but it'll remain leggy it'll be woody it'll be on site it's just just adding to the problem it is really and you'll have have disease problems in particular carried over from last winter so prune it this weekend can we trim back a red robin hedge? Yes, you can. And the, and the more you trim red robin, the happier the plant will be because it, by pruning it back, you're increasing the number of stems on the plant and that increases the number of colour. Even though 
there's going to be some red shoots on it at the moment. You disregard that, get out the hedge clippers this weekend, trim it back, give it a feed, and within two weeks it'll be absolutely a massive colour. Now, uh, Tony has a camellia and the buds are falling off even though it's well-fed and watered. Okay, well... Any ideas? The, well, the sign of, of... Remember that camellias produce their flower buds, as do rhododendrons and azaleas, in September mm. and October of the previous year. And they stay on the plant all winter long. Now, if camellias in particular are woodland plants, they need high degrees of moisture. If that plant dried out at any period during the winter, you'll get bud drop. So even though we may have been watering it heavily you know, since February and March, if it had got a shock or it dried out at any stage during the winter period, which it can, even yeah. though you'd, you'd be surprised, you'd think that your plants don't need watering in the winter, particularly camellias in pots or containers, require watering during the winter period. And that you will get, you, it's symptomatic of the buds dropping and losing. Yeah. Now, the plant um, is, that's the only thing that's affected are the flower buds. The listener is watering it and feeding it, which yes. uh, presumably with an ericaceous feed, it'll come back into growth. It'll be perfectly healthy. But do keep an eye on it from October, November next year. Keep it very well watered during the winter period because it will abort its, the flower buds if it if it dries at any period. Okay. Um, now, is it too late to prune apple trees? It, well, it's it's kind of getting late, but I mean, you can still prune them. If you haven't them pruned, then my advice is to prune them back. Shorten back the whippy growth, all that tall whippy yeah. growth by two thirds. And generally the flower buds are below that. So you're not going to be pruning away any flower buds. Any damaged or canker or disease stems, take those out completely. And any branches that are crossing or dead, take those out as well. Nice. When we prune, we feed. So again, Prune them back this weekend if you can and put a fertiliser on them. Again, uh, high potash feed like Pro 6 would be ideal. Okay, just a couple more before we have to uh, call a halt to things for this morning. Um, now, a, a listener has what appears to be, they tell us, an infestation of spider-like creatures in the soil okay. and also on a small part of the lawn. The area is next to a bank which is very stony. How might they get rid of them? Well, it depends what they are really. You know, um, spiders Poor do spiders. so much good. They, yeah. They're, they're busy. Uh, carnivorous. Yeah. They eat uh, flies and pests and aphids and green fly and black fly and all that sort of thing. So they're actually uh, very productive and, and very beneficial in a garden setting. So I wouldn't be advocating uh, killing them off per right. se. It, it may be ants as well. It could be creeping ants or, you know, they would often favour stony patio areas, um, particularly warm kind of areas. Um, and again, ants do a huge amount of benefit in the garden in terms of taking your mm. green fly off your roses and off, off many plants. Again, they're carnivorous, so they eat all meat <laughs> and bugs and yeah. so on. So, so they're quite, they're, I, they really are part of the ecosystem. They are, absolutely. And they yeah. do a lot of beneficial work oh, in the garden. Unless there's a huge amount of them. Then, and then look, at there are treatments that you yeah. can get in your, in your local garden or hardware store uh, to control ants or, or, or spiders. But really, my advice is, is to leave them alone, to okay. be honest, unless they're doing any yeah. sort of damage. Well, some, maybe they have arachnophobia Creepy or something crawlies. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're hugely beneficial and, and often where you see spiders in a home, it's a sign of a dry... It's dry, a good house. It is, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. no damp. No, no, no. No. Now, can chicken manure be used in a tunnel for vegetables? Of course, yeah, you can use chicken manure. Ideally, dig it into the soil. Perfect for potatoes and, and for general veg, yeah, fine. Okay, and finally, uh, can you tell me how to treat brown spots on the leaves of a sundance? A yellow Choicium. plant? Yeah, the choice is sundance. A beautiful plant, a very, very easy plant to grow. Brown specks are really just due to the weather. It's an evergreen shrub. It retains its foliage in winter. You, the hailstones 
are actually damaged, right. bruise the bruise the leaves. Yeah. Now, what you can do is give it a light trimming back, right. and this is the time of year uh, to to both plant choicey sundance and also to prune it back. Lovely plant. Again, feed it because by feeding it, you're encouraging new growth, and that's where the lovely yellow, butter yellow uh, foliage and, and nice white flowers. There's a plant now for the bees, choicey sundance, or any of the choicey family. Um, Mexican orange blossom is the common name for it because the flowers smell of oranges. Beautiful oh, white flowers. Lovely. The bees love it. A really good plant, a lovely plant in the garden. So give it a light trimming back now. Give it a feed and it'll be perfectly okay. Lovely stuff, Pork. We'll have to leave it there. Thanks for all of that this morning. Welcome. We'll do it all again next we'll Saturday. We'll do it all again next Saturday. I have a good story for you next Saturday. I'm actually heading to Kilchamaw to meet Mick Dundee. So I have a great story for you next Saturday. Okay, week. looking forward to hearing yeah. that. <laughs> Thanks very much. That's it. And uh, my lot for this morning as well. Uh, stand by Michael Neary, who I uh, want to say particular thanks to this morning, is uh, on the way directly after the news at 10. Until next Saturday from me, a very good morning to you.